Welcome to Grace for the Tryhard, a place where we tryhards can be reminded of the grace we've been given and be empowered to walk in it every day. Do you ever feel like no matter how hard you try, you aren't good enough? Have you struggled with shame and want to experience more freedom in your walk with Christ? Do you feel inspired and empowered when you hear other people's stories of transformation and healing? If your answer is yes to any of those questions, I'm right there with you. Being empowered to live and work out of grace is possible, and here we are learning how to do that together. No need to show up polished, poised, or perfect. Come as you are and join us as we experience God's grace together. Hi there, it's me, Lindsay, your tryhard friend here with another episode of Grace for the Tryhard. I want to start this episode by saying thank you. Thank you for listening right now. These episodes are a labor of love, and I create them because I love having conversations with people and know conversations like these have been avenues that God has used to heal and transform me. So I want you to experience that too. I've deeply enjoyed this process of learning how to create a podcast and create a blog and get over that fear of failure and to just put creative work out there into the world with hopes that it will impact people. So I'm just really thankful that you would take the time to listen, to be a follower, and um, to be with me on this journey of learning how to receive God's grace and being empowered to walk in it every day. I've been challenging myself to post one podcast episode a month since September, and to be honest, it's been a challenge. <laughs> I definitely struggle with overcommitting to things and just thinking I can do more than I can. Let's just be honest. And that has been something I've been working on for the past few years is to embrace the limits that I have and see what is healthy for me and not to put so much of my worth in producing. So with having a full-time job and producing a podcast on my own, it's been a lot, but I'm really glad that I've challenged myself to do that because I do really, really enjoy it. Um, like I said, I just, I love talking to people. I feel full after talking to people. I can't think of the right adjective, but I just feel so happy after every podcast episode that I record because I gain so much just from talking to my friends about life, about grace, about God. And if I didn't challenge myself with this one podcast a month, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so this has been a really fun few months and I want to continue, but I also am going to be taking some time this December to just reflect on this year of Grace for the Tryhard and talk to God about where this can go. I have dreams of what this can become and I am so excited to share them all in time. Like I said, I'm going to be doing a lot of reflection this month and dreaming for the future of Grace for the Tryhard and I already have some ideas but want to just process them more and really think about what I have capacity for in this season and what really gives me the most life. Once that has been discerned, you will hear about it. But again, thank you for taking precious time out of your day to hear me talk with people that I love and um, I appreciate you and I hope and pray this podcast has been a blessing 
to your life. Today, we will be continuing the conversation from last week with Andrea about her journey throughout her 20s. This is actually going to be part two of a three-part series just because we talked a lot and all the content is so good, so I decided to break it up into three. So get excited for part three coming out next month. But I wanted Andrea to share this journey with us because I think it beautifully displays many young tryhards experience as they face the reality that life isn't going the way that they planned. (laughs) Unless you are the opposite of a planner completely and you just literally live by the, the seat of your pants, I think everyone has had a season, a moment, an experience that didn't go according to plan. And I think we can all connect over the disappointment and discouragement we feel when it's not going according to plan. And it can go even deeper to your self-worth if you're putting your hope in things going according to plan. We tend to have this idea of what our life will look like and what success looks like, whether that's the job you have, the amount of money you have, the relationship you are in or not in, hitting goals in a certain time. I, as a tryhard, feel like the biggest thing God has shown me in my 20s is my worth is not in any of those things. (laughs) And the only way I could truly learn this to my core was to experience failure, disappointment, burnout, and honestly just feeling like a complete mess, (laughs) which sounds so upside down for a tryhard. You think, oh, I'm going to learn that lesson in success and in things going according to plan. (laughs) But actually, I believe the way God works is allowing us to experience that disappointment so that we will run to him. And he's the only one who can give us an eternal identity that can't be shaken by any outside circumstance. This is probably why Andrea and I's friendship continue to grow because she went through a different journey with a similar outcome. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you are feeling like life is not going the way you expected, this episode is for you. If you are feeling lost, I hope this episode can encourage you and give you some hope that there's purpose in this season that you're in. I hope this episode opens your eyes to the possibility of what God could be doing in your story right now, even if it feels like everything is falling apart, because he is bigger and he is better, and he is good, and he loves you, and I feel for you. (laughs) I really do, because that's been my experience the past few years of just feeling like, wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Have I failed? Am I not enough? And really, God was just, he was there the whole time and wanted to help me put my hope in him. So I hope you enjoy, and without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone. We are back and we have Andrea, my wonderful, wonderful friend here with me again. So if you listened to our last episode, you heard us talk about our amazing study abroad journey. That was a roller coaster and all that we learned in that, um, specifically about letting go and trusting God and putting ourselves in situations where we were almost forced to trust God, (laughs) Um, which it's easy in America to to put ourselves in situations where we can trust ourselves, you know? So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. But we wanted to do a little part two today and continue the story. Let's just start there. So we finished, we studied abroad, we became best friends, we came back to the States, we had one more year of college. So let's kind of just fast forward into we're graduating college, Dre. What was kind of your plans after graduating college? The plans 
uh, as you probably remember, changed um, a little bit. I think similar to you, I was considering like going into some kind of campus ministry or even potentially like an international campus ministry. And so like that was something I like dabbled with for a while. And then kind of just, I think maybe didn't feel a strong enough pull to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up getting a job in consulting with uh, a German supply chain consulting company And, you know, it was one of those things where, like, I I feel like in the business school, consulting was very hyped up, kind of like, oh, that's, like, what you want to do when you graduate. And I felt going into the job, um, you know, like, just proud, probably too proud (laughs) um, Mm. to, like, be heading that direction. And I do remember a friend telling me after I'd accepted it, he was like, huh, that kind of surprises me that you're going into consulting. Hmm. Uh, And he didn't say it in like a judgmental way, but kind of just like genuinely surprised. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I am. (laughs) And I mean, in fairness, so like I said, it was supply chain and that's what I had studied. And um, to this day, I still love an efficient supply chain. Like I think that when you go through the line at Chipotle, although it has declined in recent years, I will say, Historically, Chipotle has had a very efficient, like, food line, and they just had, like, a good system, and they're good about when they're running out of, like, the chicken, like, how do they get a replacement? Anyhow, I just love that stuff. So, all that to say, the general, like, idea of logistics, efficiency, cost minimization, like, that is part of who I am still, but I spend a lot of time looking at spreadsheets, looking at, um... Microsoft Access databases, working with this like German data analysis software, which was really clunky, and also traveling, which I thought would be cool, and then quickly learned for me at that time, it was not so cool. Mm. (laughs) It was just, it was hard for me, I think, to be changing like environments so often. Yeah. Um, And being on the road a lot, working on the road and stuff. So all of that combined with some more personal like health and emotional issues that I had going on led me to actually quit that job. I think four months into it, it was fast. (laughs) It was much shorter than the recommended time for (laughs) that you would like stay at your first job. And I mean, I'll, I'll maybe pause there, but I will say the decision to quit was really hard because I, I knew like how valuable that, that job was. And, um, I thought that was my direction. Like I thought that that's kind of where God was bringing me. And so when when I did leave, it was you know kind of back to square one. Like all right, I you know where do I go from here? No idea. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, that so that was kind of me. Like my first getting into my first position. You know, at Kelly, they're like, "What's your five year plan? What's your ten year plan?" Like, you know. And I never really filled that out because I was always just like, I have no idea. Um, I have ideas, I have dreams, but I just, I just don't know. So when you graduate Kelly and you get, you have this job, I remember you had it like before you even graduated, I think. Do you remember that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember when, but um, that's what I thought. Did you have like an idea of what your life in your twenties would look like? maybe loosely Mm -hmm. I do I remember having a conversation with my manager early on when I got to that um, consulting company and he asked me I think like what my five-year plan was professionally 
And I had a really hard time answering that question. You know, obviously no manager wants to hear their employee say like, I just want to be a dud and like <laughs> stay right here. And I'm not interested in advancement. But I, I do think I just it was truly at a loss for like where I saw myself mm. in, in the business. Like if I wanted to be in management, if I wanted to go and get a master's, like maybe an MBA at some point, I, I really didn't know. Um, and maybe for my 20s more generally, I, I definitely foresaw myself staying at my first job for longer than four months. Mm. <laughs> um, that, that was definitely a departure from Andrea's plan. I also, so I ended up living at my parents' house for two years after I graduated. And I would say that was also not part of Andrea's plan. <laughs> yeah, I guess just maybe the way my life went, like the first two years after undergrad were really hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't anticipate them being that hard. I didn't anticipate feeling so like unstable mm. um, as I, I did or as lost as I did. I don't think I really had a defined five-year plan. Professionally, I definitely didn't. And personally, I kind of did. Um, but <laughs> it was pretty clear that the path I ended up going down was not whatever that plan was. I don't remember being maybe so discerning about my first job. And I'm not saying that's why it didn't work out. I think mm. it's probably independent um, of that. Yeah. But I do, I don't necessarily ever feel like God was necessarily calling me to that job specifically. Obviously, the door opened, and I think he speaks sometimes through that. So I walk through it. And I, I don't think it was like a mistake that I was there for a little bit. Um, even in four short months, I think I learned a lot <laughs> about myself and a little bit about the industry and working with people and stuff. But I, I specifically speaking to my decision to quit, I do think God was orchestrating that, but mm -hmm. I would be lying if I said I quit because I felt like that was God leading me to quit. Like yeah. it really, for me, that was less of a, I'm trusting God with this and more of a, <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope and I need to back away from this. So again, like God's sovereign and I'm sure he was aware of that. Um, but obviously not every um, season of our life, not in every season of our life do we like, trust God when we make a big decision. And I think that was one season where I wasn't necessarily actively seeking God. I was just kind of surviving, mm. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's super vulnerable. And um, I think that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this, because as you're talking about it, and as I remember, again, it was a while ago, I feel like looking back now, God used that season and even after that season to kind of like break down this idea that like you had to be perfect and that you the plan had to go the way you thought it was going to go and mm. you had to look a certain way or, you know, again, like you just, at least for me, a lot of sometimes my goals are based on like other people's approval and like when things aren't going according to your plan and they're not what, what maybe you think your professors would have wanted or friends in college would have expected it's like shoot like where where's my worth where's my value and I feel like it was just a season of God just being like you're valued just for who you are and not for the job you get not for you know the things you know or the things you do and even when you're broken even when you're struggling even when you're you know surviving or trying to survive like his love is steady um 
So I don't know. I'm speaking mm. for you. So would you agree or would you disagree? <laughs> I Yeah. Wow. Your memory is good. Um, and it's helpful for me to hear that from an outsider's perspective. I do think that's spot on. I do think God was really showing me that my worth is outside of like so many things outside mm. of my performance, outside of how I looked physically or how my health was, mm. um, outside of like what people thought of me, how many friends I had. Um, and I remember with you and a few other friends as well, just probably telling you, or at least feeling like I had nothing to give to the friendship. Like mm. I just felt so empty. And so I, you know, like the fact that I could come to a friendship and be totally accepted and loved without literally doing anything, which was the response that I got from you and my other close friends was like God's love, you know, like there's, we're just as humans, I think we're inevitably transactional, you know, there's, yeah. there's just, even if we're not trying to be like, there's always, it's part of our nature. I think part of our fallen nature that we do things and we expect things in return. And like what we would do for a close friend, we do it because we know they do it for us and this kind mm. of thing. But really God's unconditional love is like, I do this for you, like period, like full stop. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing on the other side. It's like, I do this for you. Um, I guess I would add because I love you. And so I, I just, I think that definitely became more of a truth for me um, during that season through my friends and also, you know, like through prayer and through reading God's word. And that's, I mean, it's a hard lesson to learn when you feel like literally everything you could find worth in is taken away, you know? So there's really not even an option. It's like, if, if there is any worth left in me, it has to come because God gave it. Um, cause there's nothing else I can cling to. That was definitely like the theme of that season. And I, I don't wish to go through it again. <laughs> um, but, but I am thankful for that part of the journey to be able to have that perspective now. Yeah. I think if I had any like advice for people who are, you know, seniors in college or just transitioning to another stage of life, like especially twenties, like I feel like going into my twenties, I was like, this is going to be like the fun season. Like, you know, I have this independence. I'm going to make money. I can do whatever I want. You know, I can go out late at night, blah, blah, blah. And twenties has been definitely, it's been a hard time. Like there's been so much like internal work that I had to do to like be healthy and be sane and have joy and have balance, you know, and I could have just kind of like ignored all that and tried to have fun. I just don't think that was possible for me, to be honest. Like, I think I had gotten to the place where I was just like, okay, God, this is the time. This is when we're going to do all this really hard stuff. But it was, I think there was a voice in my head sometimes that was like, uh, you should be having fun or like, this is, this is the time to have fun and you're wasting it away or mm. whatever. So I just want to say to anyone listening who has like these big expectations for their life and these dreams and these goals, especially for their youth and young adulthood, like you will have fun, but it will also be hard. And I encourage you to walk through the hard seasons. Don't avoid them. Don't try to escape them because like what you're saying, Andrea, about like, even though you wouldn't want to relive it, you learn something that you'll have forever. It's hard to say that to someone who's like really struggling. Um, but for me, if, if I'm in that place and a friend tells me that, I'm like, okay, I can keep holding on because there's some purpose to this. I'm going to gain something after this. Okay, let's 
fast forward to the next season of Andrea, and that was a lot of things. I remember there was, you had an internship, and it was, what was it? Uh, it, it was with International Justice Mission in D.C. There we go. Yep. That was kind of still during my hard season. <laughs> um, it, it was a rocky time, and it was it was kind of potentially something I could turn into a full-time job. So I think I'd put pressure on myself going into it. It was a summer internship, but I was like, man, maybe like human tra- or really anti-human trafficking work is the direction God's leading me in. And so maybe if this internship goes well, they'd be willing to offer a full-time job. And then I can move out to DC and like, what's not to love about DC? And DC is a really cool city. Um, and there's so much going on, but at the end of my internship, they weren't able to extend um, a full-time offer. As we'll probably get to, I, throughout law school, have ended up doing a lot more like defense-minded work. And um, anti, the anti-human trafficking work IJM does is definitely more like victim-centric, which is such important work and like really, really good stuff they're doing around the world. But I, I could sense while I was there, like that's not the way that I'm built. And so anyhow, in the long run, it ended up that I didn't go back there. And uh, I I returned from that internship to Dick's Sporting Goods, where I had been working prior. (laughs) It's wild, like when I think about this now, but so after after quitting my consulting job, the next thing I did was work at Dick's Sporting Goods. And I chose to work there instead of Kohl's. Those were the two places I was looking at because they paid, I believe it was $9 an hour instead of $8 an hour. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That extra dollar, <laughs> like I'll, I'll take it. Um, and it's just wild now remembering that I was working a $9 an hour job for a while. Um, and it was a grind. It was around holiday season, um, getting ready for Black Friday. And I remember nearly having meltdowns a couple times on the cash register just because, you know, sometimes there's funky stuff like people want to do an exchange or something. And I was new and, you know, still learning the system. But man, retail taught me so much. Um, I made such wonderful friendships, like bonding with people through the stress of retail, especially during the holidays. Um, But just like, there's space in retail to talk to people, um, in my experience and like to get to know their story and get to know their like struggles, their hopes, their dreams about their families. And you just encounter all kinds of people. You know, I was working with some high schoolers. I was working with people who had literally been at the store for like 40 years and knew every nook and cranny. Um, it was their career, you know? And I remember there was a guy I worked with who was supporting a family of six, I think, on an hourly pay, maybe working 30 or 35 hours a week. I mean, he was making more than my $9 an hour, but still, you know, like not significantly more. So that was amazing to me, um, how people could figure out a way to survive. Cause I was living with my parents, rent was free. So anyhow, all that to say, I didn't expect when I went to business school that I would a year after I graduated be selling tennis shoes and Nike t-shirts to people. 
But that that was God's path for me. I mean, along that theme, maybe of being like stripped down to nothing and realizing that like my worth is not in my job. It's not in my degree. It's not in any skills I've acquired. Like I was on an equal playing field with everyone at the store. In fact, I was probably lower than them because I did not know what was going on. <laughs> and um, thankfully, a couple of them really took me under their wing and like showed me. I mean, you would be surprised to hear this, but there is a specific way that you have to fold a t-shirt to make it look pretty and it involves paper and this board and I had to be taught that and it, I had to practice how to fold a t-shirt and like that was a skill that other people at Dick's Sporting Goods had that I did not have wow and man that'll humble you really fast yep so um wow yeah I think a lot of my time there was it was relational it was sharing the struggles I was going through while hearing about um people's own struggles and it was like building humility and reminding me that my worth is not in what I do like I am folding t-shirts and I am completely loved and unconditionally loved by God um which is wild to think about you know yeah like it is so hard in a western mentality to separate our worth from our work we like work is we just love work we praise people who work 80 90 100 hours a week you know, how, how productive are you? Like you're worth more, the more productive you are. So anyhow, that it was a battle. It was a battle to, I think, unlearn and release all of those other expectations. Oh, so good. So how, again, how long were you at Dick's slash Menards? I was at Dick's in total, I want to say like two and a half years, maybe. And then I, I did transition to Menards because I was um, furloughed from Dick's during COVID, and so I wasn't going to be paid for question mark amount of time. So I decided to leave there and then go work at Menards, and that was like a year and a half. Okay. So about like almost four years in the retail setting. Yeah. So like how did Andrea in the beginning compare to Andrea at the end of that experience? Like how did you change throughout those four years? The first thing that comes to mind is I remember laughing a whole lot more <laughs> toward the end of the four years. <laughs> wow. Which I guess is a good sign. The group of people I worked with at Menards is super special to me. Um, the group at Dick's is as well, but just in different ways. Um, the Menards felt like I was working with mostly a bunch of dudes. And it just felt like I acquired like seven big brothers, essentially. And, you know, so we would like talk trucks and football and sometimes, sometimes girls and like female problems, like relationship problems, not female problems, but a lot of talk about food also. <laughs> so anyhow, I think, I think I was at a better place by then, but also I think truly, I think I'd started to internalize by the end of that four year chunk of time that my worth wasn't in my job. Wow. Like I didn't, I did not feel ashamed to tell people I worked at Menards and nobody should be ashamed to work at Menards. It's a yeah. great, like, it's a good company. It's hard work. Yep. You, you do have to, like, know what you're doing to work there. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I think I grew in confidence and also just, like, being able to adapt to different situations, which retail really requires you to do. Like, you don't know what a customer is going to walk in asking you for or testing your knowledge on. And so I think I just felt a little bit more comfortable in those, like, gray areas by the time I was finishing up at Menards. But yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, it does. 
um, especially just saying the gray thing. Like, I feel like you've told me, even maybe before college, you were a lot more black and white. Is that true? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So now it's like the black and the white are coming together and it's turning more gray by those four years. Why do you think that changed? You know, this is something we talked about our friend Travis on the last episode. And this is something that he and I did in the past chat about Um, the idea of like, where are you going to go? And what are you going to do versus who are you going to be? And I think that in those four years, God started to show me how who I was, was like, he cared way more about than where I was or what I was doing. And again, that's something that I think can be countercultural and especially coming out of like a pretty prestigious business school where people are expected to like go into these certain kinds of careers and advance quickly to dwell on the idea that it really doesn't matter what I'm doing. It matters like how my heart is being shaped and am I becoming more Christ-like in wherever, you know, wherever I am. And so I think that's something that while I probably heard it a lot growing up because I did grow up in like a Christian background. So I'm sure in my head, I knew that my worth wasn't in all those things. It, it like trickled down to my heart in that time and became like easier to accept that God cares about sanctifying me and he's going to do what he needs to do to sanctify me. And if part of that is like moving lumber and folding t-shirts and I don't know, learning how to use a screwdriver, (laughs) so be it whenever my last day is, you know, to be on my deathbed, not to be morbid, but to look back and to think, man, I I did all this cool stuff. But like, I feel like my soul was not shaped or changed or grown throughout it. Like my soul was stagnant. You know, I just I have this resume of accomplishments or whatever. But like the core of who I am was unaltered. Like that's kind of a scary thought it was gracious of God to get me off of the track that I think I would have been tempted to go down when he did. And that track would have been one that's very defined by the work that I'm doing and my educational accolades and stuff like that. I think it really was gracious that he intervened in the way he did. Not That's not to say I've learned the lesson and arrived, but I, it's almost a little terrifying to imagine where I could be had things gone well with consulting like from the get-go gosh, I want to be surrounded by people like you who, like, are letting God mold them, letting God use them, and care more about who they become and how they treat people and the relationships they have than, you know, stacking up those accolades or whatever. Thanks for just sharing that. There's just so many really great things that you you shared um, that, like, I'm, like, internalizing again, <laughs> you know? And like you're saying, like, we haven't arrived there's probably going to be a deeper learning that's coming in years to come, you know, and in different seasons. But it is really exciting to be like, wow, God, look, look who I've become, you know, and look who you've made me to be and look who you've brought into my life. It helps me to get out of like maybe the stress that I'm currently in and like pause and be like, oh, I'm really thankful (laughs) for for just like where I'm at, you know? Can I ask, like, Um, going back to your like internship and then going on staff, did you have some of that same struggle of like, like feeling the tension between am I valued because of what I am doing or like because of who I am knowing that you're in ministry and I know that like not everyone in your circles was necessarily like immediately supportive of that idea. 
Like what did, what did that tension feel like for you? It was hard in a different way, like versus going into like a business role right after college. Um, so for me, again, like I'm surrounded by these people who like just love me so much and really value me as a person and we're all on this mission together and it was very like mission driven. And But I think just how I'm wired too, like I started to define myself based on my performance and like how much I was interacting with the students and how much work I was putting into the ministry, you know, and so... I remember, I think my second or third year is when I kind of, like, had a breakdown moment where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Like, I can't keep um, just, like, hustling. Hustling in the church, you know, which sounds so silly to me now. But it's what we do, you know. It's, like you said, it's, like, it's not just an external thing. Like, where you're at makes you who you are. It's, like, it's inside of us, too. And, you know, God has to work that out of us. So, um... I think that was probably the biggest challenge for me over the five years of being in ministry is having to like really let God show me that I wasn't defined by my performance. Um, Felt like really high stakes because this was like my faith and like the eternity of other people. Um, That felt like a lot of, yeah, just like pressure that I felt. And again, like that wasn't God putting that on me, Um, but I was putting it on me. So... Yeah, again, I don't know if that answers your question either, but it was just definitely a lot of the same thing in a different setting of, like, my worth isn't in what I do. And God is, like you said, sovereign. He's in control of everyone's different, like, path. But I also have a role to play in in people's paths, you know? And that's still something I'm probably will be thinking about for the rest of my life because it's really amazing to me that it's both. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And I think maybe for those who are listening, who have either considered like a job in ministry or are currently doing ministry or maybe in the past in ministry, I think hearing that is a good reminder that there's not, there's not an industry or like a sector of work out there that you can just totally escape any temptation to perform, um, or to, or to quote, try hard. Like, it's like that, you know, it's an innate struggle, granted stronger for some of us than others. Um, but at the same time, hopefully it's encouraging just to hear that regardless of the industry that we end up in or the career path we're in, like God can mold us and show us in whatever way we, we need to be shown that like our worth is um, from him and like our salvation is available by grace alone. And that is separate from the work that we're doing. Um, and I mean, it, it makes sense for you, Lindsay, like the extra pressure you had of, oh yeah, this is like, I'm working with people's souls in a very like direct way, you know, like I'm meeting to talk about scripture. Like we're discussing how the gospel impacts this area of life, um, like evangelism, all those things. I think <laughs> if anything, it's like extra hard to, to, stay in a healthy mindset of like allowing God to do the work and letting that be his burden. Um, so that we, you know, aren't being weighed down by the burden of producing or creating a certain output. I think a challenge for me too, being a very sensitive, empathetic person, um, working with people so directly and 
like just hearing their stories, hearing their lives and like really sharing our hearts with each other. Like that was something that was really challenging. And I'm going to do another podcast or a blog or something next year more about that because I probably needed a lot more teaching on like what is my responsibility versus what is God's responsibility and what is like other people's responsibility. Um, naturally, I just I just take it all. <laughs> you know, I'm responsible for it all. You do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just think like especially empathetic people and sensitive people like who just feel it so deeply um it's hard to know what to do with that you know and how to like set those healthy boundaries stay tuned for part three of this mini series where andrea shares about how her ideas on mercy and justice have shifted since being in law school and where god's taking her next thank you so much for listening to the grace for the try hard podcast I hope you feel encouraged, empowered, challenged, and that you know that you are so loved by God. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, as well as rate and leave a review. Talk to you soon.